Before we get started, we want to thank our sponsor, Bywork Small Business Insurance. Bywork is who we use for our business insurance because they make it quick and easy for small businesses. You can visit bywork.com to get a quote in minutes, purchase your policy, and be covered the next day. Policies start as low as $35 a month, which is so good. If getting a quote online intimidates you, though, you can also call 1-866-757-4487 to speak directly with a licensed insurance agent who will gladly help you through the process and answer any questions you may have. Thank you to Bywork Business Insurance for being a sponsor of the Artie Friends podcast. As always, we'll have the link in our notes as well as on our website. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Artie Friends. This is Kara and this week it is just me. Last week I was traveling abroad and Allison kind of took the reins on last week's episode. This week, she has a lot going on, so we kind of flip-flopped, and this week, I'll be taking the reins. We're having on an amazing guest today, Maria Faella of Growing Joy, the book, the podcast, all the things. She's going to talk about how self-care and plant care go hand-in-hand, being a plant person and how to become a plant person, the importance of connecting with nature and connecting with plants, and more, so stay tuned for that. Not only is she so smart and so well-spoken on these topics, but she is just such a bright, fun energy. I love chatting with her. We talked for about 30 minutes before we even started recording just because we had so much in common and we were just talking about all the things podcasting and self-help and all these things. So it was just such a great combo and I cannot wait for you guys to hear more from her and to hear about all things plants, self-care and more. But first, as always, we're going to catch up. So really quick, some updates on my end. As you may or may not know, I have just gotten back from a 12-day trip to Saudi Arabia. Oh my goodness, what a whirlwind this was. If you listened two weeks ago, I kind of mentioned how this even came to be literally just on like a Friday afternoon, end of the week, I got a message asking if I was free to go Sunday to Saudi Arabia for a 12-day shoot for the Saudi Tourism Board. And being the life that I have, I try to make my schedule open so that when these things happen, I'm available and ready to go. So I was ready, booked my flights, got packed, literally celebrated Easter on that Sunday morning, went to Easter service, hung out with Connor's family, and then went straight home, finished packing what I hadn't packed yet, and then went straight to the airport. So it was a crazy 48 hours. Also, something that I did before I boarded my flight was that I got $5 gift cards for every flight attendant and person that was working my flight. So I think it was 12 $5 Starbucks gift cards because I just seen TikToks about giving gifts to your flight attendants. And I usually try to do that. But my gate was literally right in front of a Starbucks. And so while I was sitting waiting for my flight, I'm like, oh, perfect. I'll just buy some gift cards. Just, you know, it was Easter. I was feeling in the spirit. Like just felt like it was the right thing to do. And yeah, shout out to the Luft. Tonza crew because they gave me an upgrade. They literally upgraded me to premium economy, which is like right below business class. So I had a reclinable seat for my flight. You get all the business class amenities. So I got the tote bag. I got the beauty kit, like got all of these nice things for giving my flight attendants Starbucks gift cards. And they were so appreciative and so happy. So there's a pro tip. Give gifts to your flight attendants. It doesn't have to be a Starbucks gift card. It can be candy, a gift bag, beauty products. I put a whole bunch of ideas 
on my Lemon 8 account. So if you want to go check that out, you can see some ideas for what to give flight attendants. But yeah, they were so appreciative and yeah, it made me feel good too. So after that flight, I had a quick layover in Germany and then I made it to our first destination of our trip, which was Riyadh. We spent about five days filming all over Riyadh and I posted a bunch of stories about this. We filmed at some mosques. So that was really cool. We filmed downtown Riyadh in the arts district and the financial district. One of my favorite things that we did, we went to this place called the edge of the world, which is like this cliff. <laughs> Basically, it kind of looks like Utah or Arizona, like, you know, those Mars looking destinations where we set up a sunset iftar setup. So iftar is the breaking of fast for Ramadan. And it's kind of the celebration of getting to eat after a long day of fasting. So we set up this beautiful sunset spread along the cliff of the edge of the world. And it just looked so sick. We had the coolest sunset. They literally brought out like a tent company. They set up this whole tent spread. And yeah, it was so cool. The not cool part of this experience was one of the tent workers, well, all the tent workers, none of them spoke English. And so just a reference, our crew was myself, two videographers, Keenan Morgan, a photographer, Connor, and then a drone pilot, Mo. The guys thought it'd be funny and they kind of played a prank on me. They told one of the tent workers that they would exchange me for three camels and they just thought it was funny and a joke and whatever. Well, this tent man literally thought they were being serious. He's calling his family because our FPV pilot, so our drone pilot, Mo, he's actually from Saudi and he, he grew up in the US, but he lives in Saudi. So he's fully fluent in Arabic and English and Mo was like, Kara, this guy thinks they're being serious. And I'm like, oh, no way. Like, he knows that they're joking. And he's like, no, he's literally calling his family to figure out how he can get three camels to exchange for you. I'm like, you're joking. So um, I was literally avoiding this man the entire time. I'm like running away from the tent because this man kept looking at me and smiling because he thought I was like his new wife because they literally promised me to this man to be his wife, Um, which thankfully at the end of the sunset, once we were packing up and leaving the edge of the world, I got in our car and it was fine. No questions asked. But that was quite terrifying for the 30 minutes, an hour that I thought this man actually might try to take me at the end of this and keep me in exchange for some camels. <laughs> so after we left the edge of the world, I imagine it's like a national park. Like we're out in the middle of the desert, out in the middle of like a Utah, Arizona landscape. We're on the side of this cliff. We finished filming the sunset scene. It gets dark. Like we're in a national park. There's no lights. So after we filmed everything, we're scrambling to pack up all our stuff. We run to our cars. It's so windy. Like if you would have left the car door open. It was so windy that the door literally might have blown off the car. Anyways, run back to the cars and then we have like a two hour drive out of this national park just to leave the national park. Then we have to drive back into the city. So we're about halfway through this drive and I know the last place that I put my fanny pack was in the car. We were all sitting in the trunk. You know, when you kind of pop a trunk up and you're like sitting, we were waiting for the sun to go down a little bit more so we could start filming sunset. And I know that I had had my fanny pack there with my wallet and my room key and all the things. Not my passport though, thank goodness. But I knew that I had it in the trunk and we we're about halfway through this drive and we pull off to go to a gas station and let people pee and stuff. And I'm like, I think I need to get out and make sure my fanny pack's in the trunk because I am feeling very not hopeful that it's there. So we pull off at this gas station. I get out and I'm like going into the trunk, open up the trunk and my fanny pack is nowhere to be seen. I'm like, we have all of our gear. We have all these backpacks, tripods, lighting. I take everything out, put it on the side of the road and like fanny pack is nowhere to be found. And I'm like, oh my God, the tent guy took my fanny pack 
to hold as ransom so that I can come back and he can take me. That was like my first thought, um, <laughs> which was like kind of psychotic. But in the moment, I don't know if you guys realize how serious Mo was like, no, Carol, like, he actually thinks he's exchanging you for your camels. But back to that. But no, then I was like, okay, that's literally not what happened. Our crew literally called the tent guys and like, did you find a panty pack? And they're like, no, we didn't find one. And I did believe them though, because stealing in Saudi is like very, very legal. Like you can leave your stuff in a coffee shop street, literally anywhere and come back and your stuff will be there because stealing is so bad. <laughs> so I was like, okay, he didn't have it. He doesn't have it. It's fine. And so I'm being calm. I'm actually being very calm for the fact that like all of my credit cards, my driver's license, my AirPods, <laughs> both sets of my AirPods. I keep two AirPods with me. Both of them are gone. My favorite lip glosses, like room key, everything. And I'm being very calm, but I'm starting to slightly panic a little bit because the guys are kind of laughing. Connor's being kind of helpful, but like still they're not being super helpful. And, <laughs> and so I'm like, uh, I wanted to like panic because typically in the situations I find myself getting very frustrated and I feel like I've worked on becoming more in control of my emotions during situations like that where I feel like things are going wrong because newsflash things are going to go wrong when you're traveling especially when you're traveling for work and on productions. I remember the first time something went really wrong and I was kind of panicking and freaking out and my producer because at the time I was an associate producer so I was working underneath somebody my producer was like Kara there's literally nothing you can do so change your attitude because you panicking or maybe even crying and having this breakdown is literally not going to do anything and so in this moment where we're back in the car we're driving out of the desert and my fanny pack is nowhere to be found I'm like you know what right now I want to cry <laughs> and freak out because my fanny pack is probably sitting in the middle of the desert back where our tent was and back where our cars were parked and I just probably set it down somewhere and it was pitch black dark and no one saw it. I really want to panic right now, but I'm going to stay calm because I know that panicking and freaking out and crying does nothing. So why don't I just try a different process? Like what is the worst that can happen? Because I know in past times where I have freaked out and had like temper tantrums and stuff that nothing really good came out of that. So in my head, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do what the crazy gurus say. I'm just going to be super positive and raise my vibrations, raise them to be super high because literally nothing worse can happen than what's happened right now. Like my fan has gone. So I was putting on a fake smile. I was just smiling. The boys were making jokes. I was laughing back. Like, you know, I'm like, it's fine. And then we got out of the car to get dinner and Mo was like, oh, I'm really sorry about your fanny pack. And I'm like, you know what? Worst thing's going to happen. Like it's going to show up. I literally fully believe that it was going to show up. And I'm like, again, I just did that because I'm like, what's the worst that can happen from being positive? Like I've tried being negative. I've been negative and been sad and frustrated when bad things happen my entire life. Like, let's just try for this one time, be foolishly optimistic. Let's just be happy. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine. There's worse things that can happen. It's just going to show up. I know it. Literally two seconds after I say that Morgan gets out of the car. He was sitting on it the entire time. <laughs> Like, I'm not kidding. I think that moment changed my life because again, I have a tendency to just overreact and just want to be angry at myself or make these super overwhelmed reactions and be frustrated when things go wrong. And the minute that I raised my vibration, I told myself it was fine. I convinced myself to my core that it was going to show up and I was going to be okay. Then we found it in between Morgan's butt cheeks. And do you know, why didn't he get up when we had pulled over? I don't know. Everyone was tired and it's fine. But I feel like that did prove to me that 
when things are going wrong, be hopelessly optimistic and just try to your core to believe that things are going to work out. It's going to be fine because the minute that I did that, like to the second that I did that, it all worked out and it would turn out fine. So that was a funny story that I wanted to share with you guys. And it really goes to show that being optimistic, being positive instead of being negative really works out. There's so many stories I could share from this trip, but all in all, I seriously had such a great time. It was a lot of long nights, early mornings, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world. We had such a good time. I got such good content and I'm really hoping that these reels and TikToks turn out amazing for the tourism board. So right now I'm in full on editing mode. I honestly should wrap up this intro because I need to get back to editing because I have a super quick turnaround time for these videos. So I guess my peak of the week was just having the best crew. We laughed so hard, had so many fun memories, fun moments. So that's all you can hope for when you go on these shoots. Okay, let's read your guys's peaks. Kat said, I put in my two weeks and I'm excited to start something new. Congratulations. Lots of changes happening lately. I'm seeing so many evolutions, so many changes. So congrats to that and congrats on your new chapter. Grace said, finally being able to go back to work after a shoulder surgery. That's amazing. Hope you had a speedy recovery and hope that you're feeling 100%. Jillian said, making slow and steady progress through weekly therapy. We love to hear that. Love to see our girlies going to therapy. And Hannah said, getting a new job with a major salary increase and much more flexibility with my schedule. Congratulations on the new job. That is so exciting. And we love a good job change moment. You know, you got to jump around to jobs to get those salary increases. That is literally the secret. So yay, congrats to all of you guys. And as always, send in your peaks of the week on our Instagram at Already Friends Podcast. A few quick announcements before we introduce our guest. If you want more episodes of Already Friends, you know where to find them. Patreon.com slash Already Friends. So go check that out. And of course, we have our giveaway at the end of the show. So if you want to enter in our giveaway, stay tuned for the end of the show for how you can get entered. All right. And now we can introduce today's guest. Today, we're having on Maria Faella of Growing Joy with Plants podcast, formerly Bloom and Grow Radio. Maria is the happy plant lady and author of Growing Joy, the plant lover's guide to cultivating happiness. The answer to a happier, more connected life can be simpler than you think. Learning to care for plants and connect with nature. Houseplants and gardening do more than beautify our homes and lawns. The act of caring for them helps us reduce stress, increases joy, and cultivates connections with ourselves, others, and the earth. Deep, right? Well, Maria shares on our podcast, Growing Joy, how to not only care for plants, but how to simply and affordably use plants to manage your overwhelm, your anxiety, your stress, and how to live a happier, more connected, and calm life. Plant care is self-care, which is one of the major themes we talked about in today's episode, which I cannot wait for you guys to hear. So without further ado, here is Maria Faella. Hello, Maria. Thanks for being here. Hello, hello. Perfect pronunciation of my last name. No one pronounces it correctly, so I appreciate you. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, coming from a girl who gets Sierra 99% of the time when it's actually Kara, mm -hmm. you know I got to pay attention to those name pronunciations. Yeah, so. totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. We would love if you just started out. Please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and yeah, your background and everything. Yeah. Hello, friends. So fun to be here. I'm Maria, and I used to be an epic plant killer turned happy <laughs> plant lady. So for you guys listening, if the title of this podcast is about plant care or self-care, you know, and you're immediately triggered because of the succulent or the fiddly fig that, you know, is dead in its pot, no stress, no judgment. I spent the majority of my life as a really impressive plant killer. I like to say I have like a plant graveyard of 20 plants. <laughs> 
that changed when I moved in with my boyfriend. He's my husband now, so the plants didn't scare him away. And uh, in an effort to nest, even though I had this history of killing plants, I decided to try caring for them one more time. But this time I would actually empower myself and learn what they are and how to care for them. And my life honestly changed through that process. I feel like it's so influencery and it's so like gross to be like, yeah, this changed my life. But plant care and caring the hobby of houseplants totally changed my life. It helped me disconnect from screens, reconnect with myself and reconnect with nature I was so lit up by that experience that I needed to tell everyone about it. Uh, At that time, I was on Broadway as a musical theater performer. So I have like a completely past life as musical theater. I was in Cats. So, oh, can you hear my little baby bird? Yes. That's so cute, though. I hope that's okay. If he (laughs) gets too crazy, I'll cover his cage. But sometimes when I do interviews, he likes to be a part of it. His name's Frankie. Oh my gosh. Um, Hi, Frankie. Yeah. (laughs) Frankie. He's my first. I used to say you get a plant, then you get a pet, then you get a baby. And now I'm like, you get a plant, then you get a bird, Mm -hmm. then you get a dog, then you get a baby. (laughs) Wait, so cute. What kind of bird is Frankie? He's a budgie. Okay. A little parakeet, a little yellow parakeet. You'll see him all over my Instagram. It's been so fun caring for him. It's actually, you mentioned that I'm Italian. It's very Italian to have birds. Mm. And I'm pretty woo. And in an effort to like reconnect with my ancestral heritage, I remember, well, my mom always has birds. My grandma had birds. My great aunt had birds in Italy on our farm. So it's having Frankie as a part of uh, reconnecting with with my inner Italian woman. I love that. And you know what? Honestly, Frankie is just giving us the soothing background noise that we need. And it, it all connects to the plants and the topics. So we I love, love that. It. So to dive back, I started a podcast called Bloom and Grow Radio. I recently rebranded it to Growing Joy with Plants. And I interviewed experts to pull myself out of plant killerdom and become the happy plant lady that I am now. When I was on Broadway, I was I never had had podcaster, like full-time podcaster on my vision board. All I ever wanted to do was be on Broadway. And so I thought I would launch the podcast and do 10 episodes and have it just be kind of like a gift to the other millennials like me who are living in overcrowded cities and feeling disconnected to themselves and maybe wanted to care for plants. But it ended up being the first American houseplant-focused podcast out there. And I was able to use Instagram to connect with a ton of amazing other plant parents. And there's this rising trend of loving plants and the downloads kept doubling. So I kept making more episodes. And then in the pandemic, theater shut down. I got a book deal out of nowhere. One of my listeners was an editor at an amazing publisher who approached me to write a book about plant care and self-care. So it's actually a self-help book called Growing Joy. And the rest is history. And now I'm a full-time plant lady on a mission to help you care for plants and cultivate joy through connecting with nature. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Byberg Small Business Insurance. Whether you're a contractor, consultant, restaurant owner, photographer, podcaster, life coach, cleaning business, or boutique owner, whatever you do with your small business, there's a good chance insurance can protect you and your company from the potential risks of owning a business. Byberg is part of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway company, so you can trust they will be there financially. They have a 4.9 star average customer review rating, and it is truly a one-stop shop for your business insurance needs. And they even have policies starting as low as $35 a month. Byberg is who we use for the already friends 
brand, as well as my two other businesses, New Wave and 1404 Collective. I've been a customer of theirs for years and clearly I'm a big fan as I keep choosing them again and again. They have a lot of specialty coverage areas that cater to small businesses and entrepreneurs that I couldn't find at other companies. Using Buybrick has been ideal for us because it was so easy to get an affordable policy and if we ever have questions or want to update something, we can call to speak directly with a licensed insurance agent who will gladly help us out. To get a quote, you can visit buybrick.com or call 1-866-757-4487, whichever you prefer. Either way, you can get a quote in under five minutes, purchase your policy, and be covered the next day. Thank you to Buybrick Business Insurance for being a sponsor of the Already Friends podcast. As always, we'll have the links in our show notes as well as on our website. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about today's sponsor, Rosetta Stone. They are the most trusted language learning program out there. They've been experts for 30 years and millions of users have trusted them to help them learn second, third, fourth languages. And this is especially timely for me because one of my goals for the year, I literally just said this in our Patreon goal setting workshop last week, is that I want to learn Spanish. I studied German in college and unfortunately, I don't get to go to Germany or Austria very often. But I have been spending a lot of time in South America and Mexico. I spent all of January in Colombia and I loved it so much that I'm going back in April. I'm going to Tulum next week. And I'm like, you know what? It is time that I really buckle down and get better at Spanish. If you also are thinking of traveling more, learning second, third, fourth languages, I can't recommend getting started with Rosetta Stone enough. If you would like to get Rosetta Stone and not put off learning language any longer, there's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Already Friends listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off for unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. And thank you to Rosetta Stone for sponsoring the Artie Friends podcast and helping me in my Spanish language learning journey. As a retail shop owner, I know how important it is to have a good, reliable POS system. That's why I'm so excited about our sponsor today, Shopify. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source. Track everything across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers both inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash already friends. That is all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash already friends to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash already friends. Thank you again to Shopify for sponsoring the already friends podcast. 
This episode is sponsored by Honey Love. Honey Love is revolutionizing the bra game. Can you think of a bra that you actually like to wear? One that doesn't poke you, does not hurt, and that you kind of forget that you're wearing? For me, I'm thinking of my Honey Love bra. I have fully said goodbye to wearing underwire and bulky fabric bras that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature supportive bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing lift. The fabric is super soft and it feels like a second skin and you'll immediately feel and notice the difference. Right now, I'm wearing the silhouette bra and I'm totally forgetting that I'm wearing a bra, but it totally lifts. It feels so supportive. It looks so good under shirts. And it's not like those bras that give you that uniboob effect when you put on a tight shirt or tight clothes. It separates, it lifts, it does everything that a bra should be doing. I'm also obsessed with the shapewear. I have the superpower thong, which is kind of like this mid-stomach shapewear piece. The way that it gives my body this hourglass shape that I did not know that I had and is so comfortable. I have traditional shapewear from a few different brands and they kind of hurt so bad. Within a couple hours, I feel like I can't breathe. But with Honey Love's shapewear, it's so comfortable. It's meant to be able to breathe, to live your day-to-day life in. And I feel like I can definitely use the shapewear for my wedding. So I'm very excited about that. So if you're ready to step into that next level comfortable bra and shapewear, it's your time to get Honey Love. Go to honeylove.com slash already friends and you can get 20% off your entire order with that link. So it's honeylove.com, H-O-N-E-Y-L-O-V-E.com slash already friends for 20% off. Make sure to use that code to show your support of the show. And thanks again to Honey Love for sponsoring the Already Friends podcast. Before we even dive into everything, and we will get into your book in a second, I have to say I'm literally obsessed with it. I am a self-care book girly and an aspiring plant mom. I mean, I have plants, but I'm not where I want to be with, you know, practice and care and everything. So reading your book, I did not know what I was missing in my life, but I just love how you have combined your care and practice of taking care of your plants with nurturing ourselves, which I had never seen that parallel in my life, but it is so clear and it's, it Mm -hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah, it's the most affordable, most intuitive, most intuitive once you reconnect, right? Intuitive once you tap into that. Mm -hmm. But it's the most affordable, most intuitive self-care practice you can offer yourself. And I'm someone who, like you, I have read every self-help book out there. (laughs) I have spent thousands of dollars on wellness retreats, therapy, whatever, like whatever wellness trend is out there, I've definitely tried it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I had, like I mentioned, when I moved in with my boyfriend, now husband, and just started caring for these plants, it was, I like to say I came for the aesthetic and I stayed for the wellness because, Mm -hmm. you know, I started caring for plants just because I wanted to nest in my apartment with my boyfriend and I wanted to have life in our apartment and I wanted it to look pretty. You know, every magazine you look at, there's beautiful fiddly fig trees and, you know, pothos trailing down a bookshelf. But what I couldn't believe was how deeply they impacted my wellness and how much, how effective they were at just making me happier. Like it was... It's like the simplest thing. Like when you read my book, it's not rocket science. It's basic concepts that we as humans have gotten so disconnected with. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Yeah, seriously. So before we get into all that, I would love to go back to just talking about your Broadway career. How did you get started into that? And what was maybe your highlight or your favorite part of being on Broadway? Because that is such a huge accomplishment in and of itself. And I just want to highlight that because that's insane and so impressive. So Thank kudos you. to you. Yeah, man. I came out of the womb singing. Like I wanted to be a star. I actually have 
a picture I drew when I was five years old. When I grow up, I want to be an actress and star in a show. And it was, it's a little stupid drawing, like a poor, poorly done drawing of me in a belly shirt starring a Sandy in Greece. Oh my God. So, such detail. I had horse blinders on from a very young age that that was my only dream mm-hmm. to be on Broadway. I had no, I thought I would never have kids. I thought I would never get married. I was like, I want to see my name in lights. And that's the only thing I care about. And I followed my dreams. I went to school for opera, so I got a degree in opera. I got my first job my junior year of college. I went on the international tour of West Side Story right out of school. I got to live in Paris for three months as a 21-year-old. Talk about freaking dream. Maria in West Side Story was my dream role too. So being her at the Chatelet in Paris was probably like, I peaked pretty early, I would say, at 21. Yeah, you know, Broadway is, it's a really, theater in general is a really hard lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You go to work at five o'clock. My friends would say Maria and her alternate lifestyle. It's like I would go to work when they all came back from work. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really beautiful. I've been to like most of the states because I've done multiple national tours of Broadway shows. I got to be in Cats on Broadway briefly, which was super fun. But yeah, I think I think some of my biggest memories or my biggest triumphs were probably Maria at the Chatelet in Paris. I also did the national tour of Sound of Music and I understudied Mother Abbess and I got to go on for Mother Abbess, the woman who sings Climb Every Mountain. And my grandma was in the audience oh and gosh. she watched it like right before she passed away. So that mm. felt pretty cool. What an amazing chapter of your life. And that's so cool. Things like people dream of. That's amazing. That's so cool. In 2019, I did the national tour of Cats and I actually took my podcast on the road with me. So we would do eight shows a week, Tuesday through Sunday, and then our day off would be Monday. And so I would do live tapings of my podcast in whatever city we were in which was insane. I mean, it was like Cats funded a national tour of my podcast, which was pretty wild. Wait, that's so Um, cool. It was really cool. It was insane when I look back on it, doing like a 60-hour work week in Cats and then producing my show. Like that was insane. I didn't have the support that I have now, you know, with a podcast manager and all that kind of stuff. Like I was just like working 24-7, but it was so fun. And it was this like once in a lifetime opportunity. So, you know, no regrets, but definitely experienced some burnout at the end. Yeah. And you saying all that reminds me, we had a guest on, Michaela J. She's like a manifestation Mm -hmm. coach. And she always says, you know, everyone thinks it has to be this or that, but why not this and that? Like you can find ways to make both of your dreams a reality at the same time. So I feel like that was a perfect example of, you know what, I'm going to make it both work. I want this and that. So I love that. Well, we should go back to your plant killer phase and not only just talking about, you know, maybe the physical reasons that you were a plant killer, but how that paralleled with your life. And like, let's go into that self-care and that plant care dynamics and how those both go together. Because in the beginning of your book, you talked about those parallels and how Hmm. the lack of nurturing in your own life paralleled with the lack of nurturing for your plants. Can you talk about this? Yes. I also just want to thank you for reading my book because I can't tell you (laughs) how many interviews I've done when people haven't read it. So thank you. And that made that like it always, I don't think I will ever, I'm coming up on the book being out for a year and I don't know if it'll ever get old. Like that feeling of having my words touch someone. It is just so freaking cool. You make it so easy. I mean, I'm going to tell everyone to buy this book and to read it a million times (laughs) throughout this episode, but like, I am not kidding. I can't tell you how good it felt to read something that just made so much sense and just opened my eyes to many things. So it was easy. Don't even- I love it. Yeah, 
Thank you. Well, speaking of opening your eyes, so that's one of the first chapters in the book. So Mm -hmm. I think with my plant killer life, you know, I used to be something called plant blind. And for, I'll explain the the term plant blindness, and then I'm going to offer a different word because I don't want to diminish the experience of physical blindness. But when published in, in studies, this is what it's called. So there's a term called plant blindness, and it talks about how our grandparents, grandparents, grandparents Mm -hmm. evolved in nature surrounded by plants, right? If you think about it, it was very natural for us to evolve around trees and plants and be one with them. And as society has evolved, as our cities have evolved, every generation has grown more and more disconnected from plants to the point that we don't see plants as living things anymore. We see pets as living things, but we don't see plants as living things. And there are so many similarities between us and plants. We both have DNA, we both breathe, we have vascular systems that pump fluids throughout our body, but we don't see it. And so for the majority of my life, I had a horrible mosquito allergy. I was not an outdoorsy girl. I was a Girl Scout who hated camping. I stayed indoors and I became very plant blind or disconnected to plants. So now that I've defined that we're going to call it plant bias, Mm -hmm. um, which I talk about in my book. But um, so when you grow up and you don't recognize plants as living things, you don't see them. So, you know, I use the example, I lived in the same apartment in New York City for five years and I never noticed the trees on my street. Never. All of a sudden, when I started caring for plants and I started feeling the joy that they brought me and I started reconnecting with them, I would be standing at the bottom of the tree in complete awe, being like, how have I not seen this before? Mm -hmm. You know, the nail salon that I went and got my nails in, nails done, had an epic Hoya plant. Hoyas are a specific type of houseplant that are very popular in the plant parent community. But um, I remember one day standing outside of this nail salon, staring at this Hoya that was in full bloom, just like a creeper, like just staring outside, (laughs) you know, in through the window, just staring at the plant and the women just being like, what are you doing, Maria? But all of a sudden it was like these glasses that were keeping me plant blind were removed and I was just like opened to the world. So I think, you know, when a lot of us approach plant care like decor and we bring plants home just to have them look pretty... And we don't take into consideration that they are living things. That's when we kill them, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't realize they need water. We don't realize they need light. We don't take the time to understand our light. That's exactly what I did. You know, the story that I like to tell is in my plant killer days, on Pinterest in 2017, there was this like trend of putting succulents in teacups, like Mm -hmm. little vintage teacups. And it looked so cute. And so I wanted to do that. And so I went to the local bodega and I just like bought whatever succulents were there, didn't ask their name, didn't ask their care. I repotted them into these teacups that I had. I didn't even add soil, I think. I think I just like plopped (laughs) them in. It was so embarrassing (laughs) now that I talk about it, now that I educate people on how to repot plants, you know, Mm -hmm. I watered them and then I put them like five feet from a window. So I did everything wrong. So what happened is the water, the teacups didn't have holes in the bottom of them. So the water just sat at the bottom of the teacups. The roots sat in that water. They rotted and died. There was no way for the plant to get access to water. And succulents are highlight loving plants. And I put them in the dark, essentially. So when you don't take a minute to appreciate the plant's living requirements, it's gonna you're gonna kill it really quick. 
the way that I took myself out of plant killerdom was by researching and Googling my way. You know, you can Google your way to be an expert of anything. So I Googled, I took courses, I took free online classes, I followed plant influencers until I figured it out. And one of the main reasons why I started my podcast was I was an avid podcast listener. And I remember searching the iTunes app being like typing houseplants, plant care, and I couldn't find any podcasts about it. And so I was like, gosh, well, I guess this is going to be my project this year. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I found super interesting too is that sometimes that when we are finding ourselves killing these plants, it's like we're not taking care of ourselves as well too. And you see when you're thriving, maybe your plants are thriving. So could you talk about that connection as well? Yes. Yes. This was the second half of your question. Sorry. I went off on a No, you're good. Um, (laughs) Okay. Plant life parallels will change your life. This was one of the biggest aha moments I had when I started caring for my plants. I would be sitting with my plants in the morning. I had this tiny Juliet balcony that I would sit on. I would like be crouched on my balcony, like watering my plants and sitting with them. And what I started seeing was all of my life experiences like reflected back at me through these plants. I like to say plants have all the lessons that you need to learn if you tune your ears to their frequency. So if you tune yourself to the frequency of plants, they're going to teach you everything you need to know. The biggest plant life parallel that I could, you know, explain that I think will probably resonate with with a lot of your audience and it's what I talk about in my book. There are two. I ironically wrote my book called Growing Joy in the Least Joyful Period of My Life. I was planning a wedding that got canceled three times because of COVID. We had to move twice. I lost my job as a former. I was struggling to figure out how to make my podcast pay my bills, which it never had to because my performing income did. I was just like a freaking mess. And I had to write this book. And so, you know, I had five years of experience of plants making me happy that I could pull from writing the book. But I was writing the book one day and I looked around and all of my plants were so miserable. I was in the middle of the winter. I had probably a hundred houseplants at this time. And I looked around and they looked so wilted. They looked so unhappy. They were thirsty. They were yearning for the sun. And it was actually a really huge aha moment for me because I was high functioning, clinically depressed. Like I was truly struggling. And I was just keeping myself busy and like moving through the deadlines and moving through the dinners and just getting through day by day. And I had kind of become blind to my own feelings. And I was just like kind of in survival mode and seeing the state of my plants. I say your plants are a mirror and seeing the state that my plants were in, I was like, wow, I am not doing okay. If my plants are not doing okay, I am not doing okay. And in that moment, I committed to engaging with a plant once a day and taking care of myself again. And, you know, when I watered the plants, I would say, okay, what in my life is thirsty right now? Do I need to start up my therapy again? Do I need to literally drink water because I'm dehydrated and not taking care of my body? You know, another really powerful mantra for me in in 2020 specifically was pruning. When you prune back a plant, the plant actually has a hormonal reaction. So when you when you prune a plant, it causes this hormone auxin to flow throughout the plant and trigger new growth, new lateral growth. So when it's counterintuitive, but when you prune a plant back and you make it smaller, it's going to grow back lusher and fuller. And so in 2020, when my job got pruned back, my wedding got pruned back, my house got pruned back, <laughs> like it felt like everything got taken away from me. My mantra was just after pruning comes new growth, after pruning comes new growth, after pruning comes new growth. And I just had to trust that that new growth was coming. I couldn't see it, you know? You got to be patient when you prune plants, but, you know, you do it for the future version of that plant. 
And now I see the growth, right? Now I'm living in the growth of my book being out and I'm a full-time podcaster and, you know, I got my life together, but that was a, a mantra I really had to hang on to. Wow. I feel like I've heard that there's an eclipse going on and there's just like a lot of change happening mm-hmm. and people are going through these massive transformations. Like even celebrities like Taylor Swift is breaking up with her fiance yes. and like all these things oh, are Taylor. happening. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. And I, even I can relate to that in my own life. I think things are changing and I'm like, oh, yeah, I wasn't ready for that chapter to close. Like it's being pruned. And I think that mm-hmm. these parallels I know are helping me so much. And even I'm looking at my money tree that's sitting in front of me right now. It's looking a little yellow. I'm seeing some yellow spots. It's looking a little sad. And I yeah. feel like that's totally reflecting on my own life. Like I know there's areas in my life where I need to prune. I need to be preparing for new growth. And that's why this book and like everything that you're saying has just been resonating so much with me. And I love that in your book, you have these examples of how you can help your plants grow, but how it can also help you grow. And there's journaling prompts and just like so many points of reflection. So love everything you're saying. Arguably too much. I think now... In hindsight, I'm like, I think I wrote three books in that one book. I could have probably <laughs> broken that broken that out. But yeah, and I think what you're also speaking to in a season of change, the seasons, man. For some reason, especially in America, we feel like we need to be in like perpetual summer, rapid, mm-hmm. rapid growth, receiving bounty, growing, 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 extended days, like long, you know, like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, we never want to be in winter. There's a reason why the earth has to experience these four seasons. Well, not all of the earth, but at least, you know, where we are. You've got to go through the four seasons in order to have a sustainable ecosystem, right? Things mm-hmm. Trees need to go to sleep and then wake up again. And I think we as humans have fallen really out of sync with, with the natural cycles. And that's actually just a personal exploration that I'm diving into this year as I live in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, how can can I experience winter internally? And how can I experience fall internally? How can I allow quiet? How can I allow a slower pace? How can I let that be okay and not make me feel like I need to be doing something else? Because I think we're all just like so overstimulated all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's our society is set up to be summer all the time and we have to work, work, work and like do all these things. Work, work, work. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like that is the goal is to find a life and a job and some sort of balance that allows you to slow down in the winter because it feels so wrong. We are trying to do that, but it's it's like, no, why, why aren't we allowed to do that? Like, what is our origins? How are humans supposed to be living? Is it supposed to be like this? 100%. Are we supposed to and be you with don't nature? Need to, 100%. And I mean, you can take it literally or you can take it figuratively. I was just talking about this with the girlfriend where I was like, oh man, I've I'm, I'm excited for spring. I feel a lot of positive change in my life. I feel all these things. And she was like, you know, I actually feel like I'm moving into my internal winter. And even though externally it's spring here, but I think you don't necessarily need to be perfectly in sync with whatever your external season is, but mm-hmm. understanding in your life that you can have different phases in a year and you should have different phases in a year. And just like allow yourself to relax into that, I think is so por- important and under celebrated. Yeah. And you can use your plants, the things that you're caring for to kind of evaluate and allow yourself to see those different changes and seasons in your life. I think that's really great. Mm-hmm. Something that you mentioned earlier and I'd love to go back to is that connection of ourselves in nature and how important it is for our health. So that's something you talk about in your book. Could you elaborate on this and why it's so important for us to connect with nature? Yeah. So we can start off with the concept of biophilia, which has a couple of different definitions, but essentially it was coined in the 70s. And 
Biophilia means that we as humans are hardwired to be connected to other living things, whether Mm -hmm. it's pets or whether it's nature. So for people who are still struggling to connect with nature, there, if you have a pet and your pet comes to sit next to you and you pet your pet, there is a nervous system regulation that is happening there. The living in you sees the living in that pet and your nervous systems are able to kind of like co-moderate each other, right? The same thing happens in nature. So we, the living in us sees the living in the trees. If you've ever like gone and spent time with a tree, you know, and there's this natural hardwired intrinsic connection between us. So our nervous systems, if you want to talk about nervous system regulation, which I think is kind of a hot topic right now, you want to regulate your nervous system, go put your feet on the ground Mm -hmm. or go align your spine with a tree, go touch one of the leaves of your houseplants or spend some time there. So that's kind of the higher level kind of concept of, you know, we, we're nature, we're natural things. We are designed to be surrounded by natural things. And when we're surrounded by what we're supposed to be surrounded by, we're going to feel good. There have been tons of cool studies done that have proven this over and over and over again. You know, for people in the workplace, I think it's really interesting that there was this like massive international study done that proved that having plants and views of nature in your workplace increase creativity and productivity and decrease feelings of stress just by looking through a window Mm -hmm. or having a plant at your desk or having natural sunlight. That can be super powerful. There are interesting studies in hospitals shown that a view from a window of nature while you're recovering can help increase your feelings of well-being while you're recovering. You know, forest bathing is something that's been studied a lot. Forest bathing, for those who don't know, is spending time in the forest, surrounding yourself Mm -hmm. in the presence of trees for at least 20 minutes. You're literally letting your senses be bathed by the forest. You're putting your phone away. You're not on Snapchat. Like, you're not listening to a podcast. You're just letting your five senses be, like, washed over by nature. And it's actually, like, a medicinal practice in Japan. So they're, like... I think at the time of I wrote my book, there were like 28 medicinal forests in Japan. And if I'm speaking correctly, if I understand it correctly, you can literally get a prescription from a doctor to go forest bathing in Japan to, to manage your anxiety. Wow. And there have been really interesting studies about people in nature that, you know, prove that it reduces cortisol in your body and, you know, reduces stress and increases feelings of well-being is kind of the head title of this plants and nature argument. But I mean, I think if you've ever gone camping, if you've ever taken a walk through a park, if you've ever sat on a park bench and listened to bird song, if you've ever, you know, spent time with a pet, if you've ever had a house plant and had it thrive under your care, there's this like little light that gets turned on in your heart that science can't really prove, right? I mean, there's just, it's it's also kind of a like, you have to see it to believe it. And the beauty of my book is that, you know, I give you six, over 60 different practices that can help you get started on your journey or continue cultivating your journey of connecting with plants. And some of them are outside and some of them are inside and some of them are for plant killers and some of them are for people with extensive plant collections. But my idea with the book was, okay, no matter who's reading this book, I want everyone to walk away with one thing they can do, whether it's science-backed forest bathing technique or singing to your plants, which is another practice in my book. Like I've got a, I've got science-backed practices and I've got like super woo weirdo practices. <laughs> Which I feel like now, every single year that I get older, like I remember 10 years ago or being like middle school or high school, people like, people hug trees. What? That's so weird. But now every single year, I feel like 
more things seem to make more sense. So yeah, yeah, totally. I would love for you to even go further into this topic, especially with social media, technology, all of those things, why it's especially important to connect with nature. But also I would love to for you to tell us about your morning routine and how you okay. said that you make it a goal to look at a plant before you look at your phone. Mm-hmm. Biggest thing of my book, I'll give it away for free on the podcast. If you do anything after listening to this podcast, look at a plant before you look at a screen in the morning. It is so much easier said than done. But if you look at a plant before you look at a screen for a minimum of a week, you're going to notice a massive change in the way that you feel. We are so conditioned to be like so addicted to these juicy, delicious little screens that we have in our pockets. And I'm guilty. I love TikTok. I love Instagram. But because so many of our alarms are on our phones, you know, we wake up, we turn our alarm off, and then our screen is just right there. And, you know, there's tons of research showing how bad blue light is for your internal rhythms. But also, you're giving away your agency the moment you wake up. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about our parents, if you think about our grandparents, they woke up naturally and had time with themselves and their thoughts. It is so easy to go through an entire day without having one original thought. If you wake up and you start scrolling, you are outsourcing your thoughts to social media from day, from moment one that you wake up. And that's so sad because you're such a unique snowflake and everyone has so much to contribute to the world, but you've got to be in touch with your own thoughts and beliefs and feelings. And we're just in this horrible experience of numbing, you know, and once again, I'm guilty. I do this. This is a struggle for me to do on a daily basis. But what I noticed was when I started caring for plants, I started, you know, I used to have coffee with my phone in the morning and I'd have coffee with YouTube and Instagram. When I started caring for plants, I would leave my phone in its charger and I would have coffee with my plants in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I would notice the pruning metaphor. And I would see how all the plants grew differently next to one another. And I would smell the tomato plant and the basil. And I would think about what I want to make with the chives that I was growing. And I would journal. I would, you know, write a gratitude list while I was sitting with my plants. I had to create that space with them in order to receive the lessons that they wanted to teach me those plant life parallels we were talking about. And so creating that space in the morning is so important. And it starts with looking at a plant before you look at a screen. And I challenge everyone to do this, do it for seven days and then DM me and tell me what happened or tag me, you know, tag both of us and tell us what happened. And the other thing you were mentioning was creating a morning routine around plant care. So if you have a morning self-care routine or if you have a morning routine, I love incorporating plant care into my routine. So if I get up and I have coffee, in my book, I give a list of like, you know, you shouldn't be watering your plants every day. That's like a surefire way to kill them. But in the morning, you basically take five minutes a day that you commit to just engaging with your plants. And then you can use a multitude of practices as part of your morning routine. So maybe one day you do, you know, the square breath, looking at the undersides of one of your leaves. Maybe one day you just dedicate to wiping your leaves clean because our le the leaves of our plants accumulate a lot of dust. But while you're wiping those leaves clean, you're thinking, okay, where in my life do I have stagnant energy? Or where in my life do I have quote unquote dust buildup that I need to remove? You know, another day is a pruning day. So you're pruning and you're thinking about where in my life do I need to prune? Another day, you could use, you know, checking the soil as a very mindful moment. So instead of just jamming your finger into the soil and seeing if it's dry and if it needs to be watered again, you can make it this mindful moment of like, how many of my senses can I engage right now as I put my finger on the soil, as I feel the grains of the mix between my fingers? Can I smell it? Can 
I notice the different shades of brown that it's in. But just like figuring out how to re-engage with those five senses is a really powerful practice. All right, real quick, we want to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Factor. Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian-approved meals delivered straight to your door. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, veggie, and more. We absolutely love Factor. I cannot even tell you how delicious these meals are, guys. And I just love that you just throw it in the microwave. It's ready in two minutes. I've had some crazy busy weeks lately and all my free time, I'm wedding planning. I'm trying to eat right for my wedding and Factor makes it so easy to do that. They have high protein meals, which I love. I'm trying to hit those 30 grams of protein every single meal. And Factor meals do that time and time again. They have delicious snacks, smoothies, and more. I love the coffee and chocolate breakfast smoothie. It's a protein smoothie and it is so delicious. I just can't tell you enough of how good and delicious Factor is. It's seriously the real deal. And if you guys use our code ALREADYFRIENDS50, you'll get 50% off. Again, that is ALREADYFRIENDS50 for 50% off your first order. And that's at factormeals.com. So go to factormeals.com slash alreadyfriends50 to give Factor a try for yourself. It's seriously so worth it. And we're so grateful to have them as a sponsor of the Already Friends podcast. Yeah, and just having the morning for yourself letting yourself be still, not being overstimulated. I think that that makes so much sense. And I love all that. Well, I think we can switch into maybe some plant care 101 topics because I think anyone listening to this either has a plant or maybe wants to get a plant or maybe want to get more into their plant girl era. So what are your tips for someone who's in that phase and maybe needs to take that first step into becoming more of a plant person? Plant girl era. I love that. I want a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> you my should. Plant girl era. Make it and I will buy one because I want to be I love plant it. girl era. Plant girl era. I love that. I'll give you two main things. So what I've seen personally, like what I was doing when I was killing plants and what I see a lot in my community because I have a lot of beginners that start with me. And just so you know, the beginning of my podcast is like literally me figuring out how to care for plants. So if mm-hmm. you scroll down my podcast feed, then just work your way up my podcast feed and you'll be an expert by the end of it. Lighting and watering. So let's start mm-hmm. with light. Plants eat light. So even though you think that you're giving them plant food, fertilizer, plants make their food using the sun's energy and photosynthesis. So if you don't give plants light, they cannot make food and they will die. No light, no plants. So understand that first. Plants eat light. I think in general, most of us overestimate how much light we have. So if you think Mm -hmm. about it, the light in our apartments, I'm assuming most of your audience lives in apartments or like townhomes. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the light that we're getting in our windows is like 10x less than the light that plants receive outside. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of think about where these plants are living outdoors and then try and mimic those conditions indoors. So from a window also, like once you get one foot removed from that window, the light volume is going to decrease drastically. So you have to understand that, you know, you've got to set your plants up for success to get access to the most light. Quick rule of thumb for windows is the window if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, the window exposure with the most light for the highest light plants that you might want, like succulents or a fiddle leaf fig or Hoya, is Southern facing windows. Mm -hmm. That's if they're unobstructed. Then the next strongest is West because the sun rises in the East. It's a little gentler, sets in the West. It gets a little hotter, a little stronger. Then you've got Eastern exposure, which is like a gentler light, but a lot of plants do well in an Eastern exposure window. And then Northern exposure is the least amount of light because the sun actually doesn't go directly through that window. So I would say take out your compass on your phone and align your window, align your compass. I think you just did that. that. I'm um, like, I have to know. I'm like, now where am I? Yes. 
So understand what your exposure is and then mm-hmm. make sure, do I have a building outside of my window that's actually blocking the sun? So I have a, you know, southern facing window, but there's a huge building. So it's actually, in, you know, the light volume of a northern facing window. Mm-hmm. And then depending on your plant's needs, a highlight plant needs to be, you know, within a foot of that window and a medium light plant should be within like maybe two feet of that window. Mm-hmm. If this is confusing, I have a free download on my website called the Understanding Natural Light Download that literally walks you through three days of tracking your light with a free app. I can send you the link so you can have it in the show notes in case anybody needs support there because this took me a long time to figure out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the brief on light. Plants eat light. Make sure your plants are getting light. If you have a bathroom with no window, don't put a plant in it. (laughs) I can't believe, like I get that question a lot. No shade, no shade, but don't do that. With watering, water thoroughly, but not frequently Mm -hmm. for plants and don't water wet soil. So most Mm. plants want at least the first like centimeter, like if you stick your finger in to that first knuckle to kind of dry out, unless it's like a fern. The biggest piece of advice I could give for beginners is only use pots with drainage holes at the bottom. A drainage hole is going to be your best friend because when you water your plant, you don't want the water to get stuck at the bottom of the pot like my succulents did because then those roots sit in the water and they die. If you're a beginner and you're learning, a hole in the bottom of your pot allows for the water to escape and you will just get to know that plant and how much water it needs so much faster and so much more efficiently. Terracotta pots are so cheap at, Mm -hmm. you know, the hardware store. They're like 99 cents. Almost all of my plants are in terracotta pots and they're just like, it's so much easier. So you're going to water it thoroughly until water drips out of the bottom of the pot. If there's a lot of water in the saucer at the end of that watering, you can let it sit for like a couple of hours and then just dump it into the sink. And then depending on the plant and its watering requirements, then you're going to re, you know, you're going to water again, most likely once, you know, that first centimeter has dried out. No spritzing, no ice cubes. And I think sometimes people just give like little drinks to their plants, but if you think about it in nature, plants get their water via like rainstorms and rainfalls where like they're getting a lot of water at once and then the soil is drying out until the next time it rains. And so it's better to kind of replicate that than replicate, I don't even know what, like a little drip, drink of water every day would look like, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's really good to know. Is that an overload? No, lighting that tries and to be watering. my cliff load. Yeah, cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah, lighting and watering. I think those are, like you said, the two things that you need to nail because I'm sure my next question was going to be, what's the biggest mistake you see people making? And would you say like those are the two biggest mistakes? The biggest mistake that I see people making is not picking the right plants for their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I have a whole chapter about this in my book. What's your plant parent personality? I also have a free quiz on my website because after talking with like thousands of listeners at this point, I started seeing these five different archetypes. I love a personality test. Oh my gosh. I'm an Enneagram three. I <laughs> yes. love, I'm human design. I'm a six, two projector. I love a personality test, but um, what I've, so I started seeing these personality archetypes in my listeners of different lifestyles and what mm-hmm. plants were conducive to those lifestyles. And what I see is people picking plants based on whatever's available or like the aesthetic and not really taking a moment to be like, does this fit in my circumstances? Mm -hmm. And so an example is, say you're someone who just got super inspired by our conversation about morning routines with plants and you want to create a daily routine with your plants that's going to like light your soul up. A succulent is probably a horrible choice for that because succulents only want to be watered like once every two weeks. They're super low maintenance plants. 
And so the likelihood of you overwatering that succulent if you're engaging with it on a daily basis is very high. A succulent would be a great pair, a, a great plant for a low-key plant parent, which is another personality profile of mine. But the mindful plant parent, which is the one that I'm talking about, someone who wants to interact every day, a moisture-loving plant like a prayer plant or a fern or a air plant that you could spritz every day, something that it's easier to engage with. Those are the type of plants that I would recommend for you because I think, you know, your plant collection should work for you. You shouldn't be like losing your hair over whether or not you're caring for your plants. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I created like a fun plant parent personality quiz on my website so that you take it, it takes two minutes and you'll get your personality profile, which, and it's just like any other personality test. So it says your strengths, your weaknesses, what to look out for. And then I give you a list of recommended plants that you could try and also a list of recommended podcasts that I think you would really like based on your personality. Oh my gosh, I love that. BRB, get yeah, me a run and do that. No, I know, it's super fun. It's super cute. And I love getting DMs from people who have taken it being like, oh my God, I feel so seen. That's so cute. Okay, well, I will definitely be taking that and posting that. Yeah, you have to text out. me and let me know. Yeah, yeah, you have to let me know. Kind of relating to that. I'm, and I'm sure it's something that would be answered in that plant personality test. Say that you are someone who lives in an apartment, you know, kind of like a lot of our listeners, we do have a lot of a younger Gen Z crowd, maybe living in yeah, a bigger city, yes. smaller space. What yes. are your tips for those people for connecting with plants? Maybe if they don't have as much space or maybe they share a common living area and all that stuff. My Gen Zers, I'm your elder millennial, just <laughs> older sister here to help you learn how to care for plants. And know that when I started my podcast, I was living in 500 square feet in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I had 160 houseplants in 500 square feet, oh which I would goodness. not recommend to everybody. But it looked amazing. So I think with apartment living, really hone in on your light situation. Yeah, Do my download if you need it. But really figure out what direction your windows face and what plants match up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can DM me if you have questions. I can help you out. That's where to get started. Vertical space is really important. Um, If you go to my Instagram, you'll see the epic green. I had an epic green wall in my apartment in New York City because I got to a point where all of my surfaces were covered in plants and my husband was like, this is unacceptable. You need to figure this out. And so I ended up going vertically. So I had a lot of plant hangers. I macrameed my own plant hanger that I hung in my Southern facing window and I had a gorgeous string of pearls in it which that photo is all over my website. I had this amazing product called Wally Grow. They make these pockets that are, you can install in an apartment with one screw Mm -hmm. and you can turn any wall into a green wall so long as you have enough light. But my green wall was pretty epic. I bought plant stands from Ikea and made sure that I made use of all of the corners. Now, Corners tend to be the darkest parts of apartments because if you think about it, the light that's coming in from the window like totally misses the corners. Mm -hmm. So in my 500 square feet, I had five grow lights. So if you don't know what grow lights are, they're lights that mimic the sun. They have a photosynthetic spectrum that that is the sun. They're super stylish. They look like normal lights. If you go back and see photos of my old apartment, I put these really beautiful modern pendant hanging grow lights in all my corners. And then I put these Ikea stands under the grow lights and I created this highlight haven in the darkest corners of my home. And I like crammed as many houseplants in there as possible. But you can get grow lights that are little light bulbs that you screw into like whatever fixtures that you already have. You can do pendant ones that you hang from the ceiling. 
I turned a bookshelf into a grow haven. So, you know, I had a bookshelf where everything was books and then one one shelf was lights. I have all of those grow lights on my website in the shop portion of my website. If anybody is curious of what I'm talking about, I've got like some photos. But um, yeah, so I would say grow lights could be your friend. Vertical Vertical gardening could be your friend. And also like not going overboard, I would say, especially if you're in a small, you know, I I had a house a podcast about houseplants. I, you know, I could have 160 houseplants in, in I could have an urban jungle. If you're in a small space, like I would say really be mindful of like what's aesthetically pleasing and what's like hoarder territory. And this is another chapter in my book, knowing your plant number, like really figure out what amount of plants works for you that makes you happy and that doesn't make you stressed. What I see happen to a lot of people in our community is they start caring for plants. They realize the gorgeous benefits emotionally of caring for them. This little light bulb in their heart turns on and they want more. And so they bring more plants home and then they want more. So they bring more plants home. And then all of a sudden they've got way too many plants that they can care for. I'm personally guilty for this. (laughs) And I have have a a whole chapter in my book on what to do when you've gone overboard, how to put yourself on a plant pause, how to reevaluate if you've got to get rid of plants, how do you do that in like a sustainably healthy, happy way? Because I do think it is kind of part of like every plant parent's journey of being like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, I was a little too eager. My eyes really are bigger than it. my stomach. Kind of like yeah, the same I thing. Really sent- exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you really sent it. Okay, well, with plants, I feel like at least in my life, it's like, okay, the first step I feel like was getting a succulent. And then maybe I introduced a money tree or other things that I saw at my local nursery. And then I feel Mm -hmm. like the next step might be wanting to grow your own food. I don't know if that's the natural progression. But I feel like I love this for you. I feel like that's where I'm seeing something like in my life. And I know that you said on your podcast before we hopped on, you said that a lot of your episodes that do really well are people discovering your lettuce growing series or different types of series that teach people how Mm -hmm. to grow food. I mean, of course, I'm going to plug that people can go listen to that over there. But are there any tips for people that want to get into that? Maybe growing some tomatoes or starting a garden, any of that? Oh my gosh. It is the most empowering feeling to grow your own food, even if it's just, and I was, I was having an argument with someone the other day. My argument is that you are a gardener if you have one pot of basil on your windowsill. You do not have to have this like insanely aesthetic, curated, gorgeous garden that's like an acre large. Mm-hmm. You are a gardener if you have one pot of basil on your windowsill. And I think everybody should try and grow one thing that you can eat. Growing chives, when when I lived in 500 square feet, we had minimal space and we grew chives and snipping chives and scrambling them into our eggs every day was the coolest, most empowering experience. And it was so simple and it didn't require a lot of space. The only thing with food and with edibles is you really need six to eight hours of direct sunlight um, because the plants just need to make that much food for themselves to sustain. Mm -hmm. So if your windowsill has six to eight hours of sunlight, you can try growing herbs on your windowsill. I do have an episode on windowsill herb gardening. But if not, there are so many contraptions now that make growing food so easy. Mm-hmm. So once again, I'm an extreme. I have a six-foot tower. I, I like to call it my spaceship smoothie tower. It's a hydroponic grow tower in my living room where I grow all of my salad ingredients. Wow. Um, which is pretty epic. <laughs> you don't have to do that. 
But there are click and grows. There are a ton mm-hmm. of like tabletop hydroponic grow kits that come with the grow light. Sometimes you can even buy the seedlings. I grow the Territorial Seed Company kitchen countertop line. So they're actually a sponsor of my podcast. They're a long-term partner of mine. And they actually created a whole line of seeds that are developed to be grown in apartments and their seeds are lower light tolerant. Oh, wow. Um, they have, I'm growing the cutest tomatoes right now. They're, the tomato plant itself is six, six inches tall. Oh my goodness. It's so cute. And I'm growing these baby cucumbers that don't get bigger than like three inches. You could grow salad also. Salad is a little bit lower lower light tolerant. So if you don't have a super sunny windowsill, you could try growing some salad or some microgreens. But oh my gosh, I would say if you haven't grown your own food yet, I would start you off with like a couple of pots of herbs. So mm-hmm. just go to your garden center, buy your favorite herbs that you love to cook with, put them in, you know, four to six inch terracotta pots on your windowsill and see what happens or get a grow light and put them under a grow light. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and the beauty, the beautiful thing with like herbs like basil is the more you prune, the more it grows. So the more basil, the more pesto you eat, the more, you know, the more your plant is going to be happy. So I would definitely say, you know, if you have six to eight hours of light, that's an amazing next step to take and you will not regret it. Amazing. And like you said, it's like you take one step and then you just keep going. And and there's so many different inventions and ways that you can foster that that hobby. What was the Mm -hmm. sponsor and the partner that you work with called? Oh, so Territorial Seed Company has the kitchen counter seed line and they have like miniature tomatoes, miniature cucumbers, salad mixes, stuff that works indoors. And I have a 10% off coupon I'll send I'll send to you. You can throw it in the show notes. And then Lettuce Grow is the hydroponic system that I use. They just launched an indoor model. I actually use their outdoor model in my house. Oh, wow. Um, I think I have a $50 off coupon for them too I can send to you, but they're a great... I mean, I've been using it for two years and I have not bought salad in years. No, I mean, I live, in the, I'm, I live in the woods under two feet of snow six months of the year and I grow my own salad in it. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, I just Googled the Lettuce Grow and that's totally the one that I've seen all over Instagram and TikTok. It's like that white, yeah. iconic one. It looks like a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. that's They're my so it's my cool. spaceship smoothie tower, baby. I love it. That's what I call. I literally call it that in my book. <laughs> that's so cool. Okay, adding that yeah. to my bucket list of things that I would love yes. to invest in. Put it on your. You should put it on your wedding registry. One hundred percent. That is yeah, so perfect. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let's talk about your book because, like I said, I'm obsessed. The name of your book is Growing Joy: The Plant Lover's Guide to Cultivating Happiness and Plants. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us just a high level overview of what the book's about? I mean, I've kind of already said it's a perfect mix of self care plant care. And I definitely think this would make just like the best gift. It feels like a book made of love. Tell us about it and maybe what your favorite part about writing the book was. Yeah. It's my love letter to plants. It's my love letter to my relationship with plants and the moments of joy that they've given me. Mm -hmm. So it's a self-help book. It's not a plant care book. However, we do have a plant care crash course at the end of the book. So if you're a plant killer, if you read my crash course, you will not be a plant killer anymore. Like I set (laughs) you up with all the basics. But yeah, it's my love letter to plants. And it's filled with, like I said, over 60 different practices for how to connect with plants how to connect with nature, but more importantly, how to connect with yourself through that. And I have practices with houseplants. I have practices with gardens. I have practices with your local park or your local forest. 
I love that your audience is more Gen Z because I wish that I, I mean, I sometimes think about what my life would look like if I had found plants earlier. If I had houseplants in college and in my early 20s, which were probably some of the most stressful times for me as you're figuring out who you are, but I had plants to kind of bring me back to myself. Oof. I think I would have, you know, I probably would have learned a lot a lot of life lessons faster. But yeah, it's an easy read. I wrote it the way I speak. It's not, when I first wrote the book, I thought that it was going to be this like review of scientific studies and like mm-hmm. all these things. Like, But then I was like, no, that's not who I am. Plants make me happy and I'm just going to tell you about it. And I'm going to tell you how to use them to make you happy too. That's pretty much the thesis of the book. <laughs> writing a book, no one can prepare you for writing your first book. It's so much harder than you think it is. It's so much more time than you think it is. I have not had children, but I do feel like it was like giving birth to something. It was a really beautiful opportunity to like distill this world view that I had. Because I think I had hundreds of episodes of my podcast by the time that I wrote the book. But I had never really taken the time to put any of it on paper. I mean, as podcasters, we're lucky. We just get to talk. And mm-hmm. yeah, show notes happen, but it's it's more informal, right? And the fact that I had to really sit and think about how can I be in the highest service to people How can I write something that really can change people's lives? And how can it like live on and still be relevant in 20 years, Mm -hmm. Um, in 40 years? You know, I'm like thinking about the person that buys it at the thrift shop after I'm dead and how will will the way they read the book change their life. So I think just really taking the time to like really think about the impact I wanted the book to have and executing it was really special and like far more profound than I think I was anticipating. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I feel like, yeah, this stands alone as something that's going to stand the test of time. And it just has so many good nuggets of, yeah, finding joy, finding community, all these things. What are some of your final tips for someone who wants to become that plant person, but they're nervous, maybe they're scared, they're scared to become a plant killer? Any tips for someone who just needs to dive in and jump into it? Yeah, just start. You will continue killing plants. The plant killer thing never stops. I killed a plant like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, The plant killer part of you never stops. Plant fails, that's what I call them, are the best learning opportunities. So just start. Know that you're not going to be perfect. Gardening and plant care is a lifelong hobby, and it's a beautiful spiritual practice of letting things not be perfect. There is going to be a pest outbreak. There is going to be a yellow leaf. There is going to be a garden that just like takes a complete left turn because of the growing season. There are going to be all these elements that get thrown at you. And then you as the plant parent get to respond and see what you're made of, right? So you don't have to go crazy. Start with one plant. Pick either one thing that you like to eat and try to grow it or pick one plant that you've seen on Instagram or that you've seen somewhere and just try it. Also, don't get the most expensive plants either. I'm not a big... I, I love my my listeners that have like thousands of dollars uh, invested in their collections and they have the most gorgeous Instagram-worthy collections. Like no, no shade on that. I think that's very admirable. But if you're a beginner, go to your local nursery and buy a snake plant, a ZZ plant, a pothos, the plants that are affordable, that you can try, that um you can experiment with. If you have to learn some lessons on it, you can, and you're not going to mm-hmm. be like, oh my God, I just spent, you know, the fiddle leaf fig is a plant that a lot of people get because it's so famous. It's that tree that you see in like all of the magazines that has the big leaves. It's a, it needs a lot of light and it's very sensitive to drafts and it's very expensive. So people buy, people buy a fiddle leaf fig tree for like two or $300 and then all the leaves fall off. 
And it's heartbreaking. And that pain of that investment also doubles down. So I would stay like, start small and just get some wins in and then grow from there. Like you have your whole life to grow your collection and this hobby. And I'm here to support you all through the way, you know, through it on the podcast or with the book or in my DMs, however you need support, I'm here for you. I'm going to ask your signature question. So we ask this to all of our guests. We are the Already Friends podcast. So to you, what makes a good friend? Mm, I love this question. What makes a good friend? I think someone who listens as much as they contribute. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think with friendships, especially as you get older, it unhealthy balances and unhealthy relationships can really get calcified. And then you're either the person always giving in the relationship or you're on the other side, you're the person that's always receiving and depleting your friend. So I think, you know, friends that really show up and ask questions and listen, and then are also so excited to share because I'm asking questions and listening. um, That's the sweet spot in friendships for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And being there and putting yourself out there and being the one that listens, I feel like listening is such an underrated skill and sometimes we forget to do. So yeah, I... As I've just like talked so much on this podcast. (laughs) No, that is what you're here for. That is why we have you on. I and my I love my it. role was to listen, and I loved everything that you were saying. And yeah, I think that was the perfect answer. Well, <laughs> please tell our listeners where they can find you, how they can support you. Tell us about your podcast, all the things. Yeah, come hang out with me too. Come subscribe to the Growing Joy with Plants podcast. Weekly episodes every Tuesday on a variety of topics, from how to grow lettuce to how to do container gardens to how to care for Hoya, what to do if a plant dies. So we've got all the plant care episodes for you. Whatever you're curious about growing. At this point, I probably have an episode on it already. But more importantly and more exciting, we have a lot of episodes on how to care for yourself through plant care. So Mm -hmm. this week, we just released an amazing interview I did with the head of the therapeutic horticulture program at Rikers Island, which is New York City's largest jail. They have a huge therapeutic horticulture program. And there's a whole profession of horticultural therapists who are therapists who use plants to help people regulate their emotions. And The interview is so fascinating. We explore so many different plant care, self-care techniques on the podcast. It's really just my goal to to get you, you know, as happy and calm as possible through, through plant care and nature. So come hang out. And also my book, thank you so much for all your kind words about my book. It's anywhere books are sold. It's called Growing Joy, The Plant Lover's Guide to Cultivating Happiness and Plants. And I also did the audiobook, which was probably... Oh, actually, that was probably the best part was recording the audiobook. As a podcaster, I, I got to go to a fancy recording studio in New York City and record the whole audiobook, like a fancy voiceover artist. And that's available on Audible or like wherever you get your audiobooks. Wow, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, oh, and I'm growing joy with Maria on socials, TikTok and Instagram. Okay, perfect. And like I said, I think this would be such a great gift. I know one of my closest friends gifted me a self-help book like five years ago and it changed my life. And I feel like this would also be one of those amazing gifts to give someone, maybe who's moving into a new apartment or a new space or making a big move. And you could get a plant with it. Yep. You could like gift it with a plant. That's a very cool little package, like for the holidays and stuff or for birthdays. Literally that, that gift, I'm not kidding, would change someone's life. What plant should they give with the book? What do you think? I would go with a, probably philodendron. I think Mm. a philodendron, those are the like vining, climbing plants that can kind of trail down a bookcase. But I think that's a good plant to start that isn't toxic if they have pets and is low light and high light tolerant. So I would go philodendron. Okay, if you guys ever need a gift, like I'm not kidding. 
setting this book, Growing Joy, and the Philodendron. Iconic. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here. We seriously appreciate it so much. And yeah, that was another episode of Already Friends. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Already Friends. We want to tell you guys, what is our favorite thing in this world? Getting Apple and Spotify reviews. So to thank you guys, when we hit 500 reviews on Apple and Spotify, we're going to give you one of your favorite things. And we're going to tell you what it is. It's a $50 gift card to wherever you want. Please, come on. We're desperate. We're literally dreaming up these reviews in our sleep. Got to help us get there. If we want to keep creating great Already Friends podcast shows for you guys, we need those reviews. So don't make us beg, all right? (laughs) So leave a rating, leave a review, screenshot it, send it to us. And yeah, when we hit 500, we'll pick two of you guys to get a $50 gift card to wherever you choose. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you in the review section of our show. Love y'all. Love ya. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.